Welcome to the Jenny Carlson Show. Oklahoma State faces Texas A&M in the Texas Bowl on December 27th, and there's no one better to talk about the Aggies than Olin Buchanan. He's covered football in the state of Texas for four decades and has covered Texas A&M since 1993 for a variety of outlets. He's been at TexasAgs.com since 2012. We'll talk about what kind of team the Cowboys will face in the Texas Bowl, how the coaching change is going in College Station, and much more. But first, I wanted to say a word of thanks to these sponsors for supporting The Jenny Carlson Show. Oklahoma Ford Dealers, Two Fellows Movers, MidFirst Bank, The National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, FireLakeJobs.com, NextGen Roofing, 988, Oklahoma's Mental Health Lifeline. Remember, drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford Dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. And hey, if you're thinking about moving, let's face it, a box of pizza and a case of beer just won't work like they used to. Nobody wants to help you move, but we know two fellows that love moving. At Two Fellows Moving Company, we offer free, no strings quotes for your move. With over 20 years experience, we've pretty much moved it all. Our services don't end up moving either. Need to do some remodeling or spring cleaning? We have you covered with dumpster rentals and junk haul services. Remember, quotes are free and there are no strings attached. If you're moving in Oklahoma, make sure to call the fellas. Visit twofellas.com for your free quote today. Well, Olin, it is so good to see you, my friend. How are you? Doing very well. Um, happy holidays. Merry Christmas, all those things. Same and to you. I, I guess I'll look forward to seeing you maybe in Houston uh, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, obviously with OU's move to the SEC, I think we're about to start seeing more of each other here in the next few years. That's kind of fun. You know, uh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, all my friends up in uh, Oklahoma City and all my friends in Austin that I haven't seen except sporadically over the last 11 years. It's going to be like getting the band back together. <laughs> going to be like first day of school. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, but like you say, Houston coming up, OU, OSU, Texas A&M in the Texas Bowl, um, December 27th. Give us a little state of the Aggies, if you will. What, what kind of team can the Cowboys and their fans expect to see down there in Houston? I'm going to be honest with you, Jenny. I don't know. And I'll tell you why. Because we don't know who's going to be playing. Uh, we think, well, okay, Anaya Smith, their best offensive player, he's not playing. You probably already knew that. He has a broken yeah. finger. We assume that Edgerin Cooper, their best defensive player, who just uh, announced his intentions to go into the NFL draft, assume he's not playing. Usually those that are going to the draft don't, at least down here. Miles Garrett did, but, you know, he was a dot, uh, he's a different kind of guy. Uh, so hopefully, from the a perspective, Edgerin's playing. But at this point, I wouldn't count on it. They haven't made any kind of announcements. Um, with the coaching change, there's been a lot of guys that are uh, getting in the in the transfer portal. Are they going to play first? You know, they've had some guys like uh, a guard, um, uh, Layden Robinson, had declared that he's going to go into the NFL draft and play in the uh, in the Senior Bowl. Uh, does that mean he's going to play in the Texas Bowl or not? Mm-hmm. And as of now. We've had no press conferences, which is the A&M way. <laughs> and uh, so as of now, there's been very, very little information. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, right, if those guys are playing, um, you know, A&M is a, a solid opponent. You know, they, they're seven and five. Four of those games that they lost, they had the lead uh, well into the second half, sometimes in the fourth quarter. 
and couldn't finish. Um, after Jimbo Fisher's departure, they actually did more offensively and took more chances. Uh, and, and even though they lost to LSU, you know, it was a very competitive game. They had a chance to win that game uh, and did some different things. So if they have, uh, you know, some of their major guys, yeah, it'd yeah. be a, a a pretty good, you know, competitive, decent team. But um, if a lot of those guys are gone, like I said, they already don't have uh, their best offensive player, then, you know, who knows? And yeah. but isn't that the case for so many teams in college football now? Yeah, and I, you know, I think that's that's a great point because a lot of these teams that go to bowl games, it always it almost feels like a precursor to the next season anymore, as opposed to the last game of the season that we're in. So it sounds like that may be the case with AM. Although, like you say, it may be a little bit of a unknown at this point with all this. Right, it, it really is, and I know that you know you followed the uh, Sooners, and in twenty was it twenty twenty to play Florida in the Cotton Bowl, right? Half. Of, Seemed like half of Florida's team, at least their big play guys, weren't there, and yep. as a, and that could be the same case for A and M this year. But we may not know exactly who's going to play and not until sometime next week. Okay, hey, let's talk about coaching change for just a second because obviously the the drama with Jimbo Fisher it percolated even a year or more ago. What would A and M do? But when they did make the change, when they did pull the trigger, what was your what was your sense of of surprise. Was there any surprise at the point that they decided to part ways with Jimbo? There, there was the surprise in that when they did it, um, because I kind of thought if it was going to happen, they'd wait till the end of the season. Right. You know, uh, but you know, the old Florida athletic director, Jeremy Foley once said, whatever you have to do, eventually you should do immediately. And <laughs> after they lost at Ole Miss, Ross Bjork, it was a morning, uh, game. Ross Bjork was home, uh, that night, just thinking about where they're at, and he finally said, "You know, it's just time," uh, which is ironic because they fired him after they scored thirty-five points. And the problem for AM uh, this year and last year, really since twenty twenty, was you know their offense was so uh, was so stagnant, yeah. and then they had a a pretty decent offensive game, and he still got fired. So I was just surprised by the timing, um, and quite frankly, I thought they might wait a year. Uh, first of all, I don't care how much money you have paying off $81 million or whatever to 72 million. That's a lot. That's a lot of money for anybody. Yeah. Uh, but also I thought, and it may still be the case, but you would look at the roster and you would say, this is championship caliber talent on this roster up and down. It, it was like trying to, uh, trying to, uh, balance a checkbook. And your your spouse or significant other didn't tell you about a a, a purchase that's and you're, and you're trying. Why doesn't this add up, right? Because you yeah. would look at the at the talent and look at the results, and it just didn't add up. Yeah. Um, so I, but I thought that because they had so much talent and that they were trying to, hey, you got Texas coming in here next year. You got Notre Dame coming in here and LSU. Those are three big games for A&M. And I thought maybe they would say, let's just bite the bullet and see if next year, if we can maintain that roster, yeah. that at least we have a chance. But I think it got to the point where they said, yeah, it doesn't matter who's on the roster if we're going to run this kind of offense. So yeah. uh, it was just a mild surprise. Yeah. 
Yeah. Was Jimbo, I mean, obviously everybody knows A&M wants to win more than they, they won under Jimbo. Was that his biggest sin? Was it just not winning enough or was there more? Did you, did you sense that it, it maybe that was sin number one, but there were yes. some others that were close behind? Well, it's that, uh, of course, that that's the first thing, you know, yeah. um, if you're not winning, um, and, and why should, why should you expect, I, I think A&M has geographical and uh, advantages and resources that they should demand to win. Um, but I, you know, I think it really came down to the, not just, well, the, yeah, the win loss record, first of all, but the frustration with the offense and you would say, okay, Jimbo, um, for three years, you're saying, what's the problem is that we just got to execute. We got, it became a joke. Execute. Anytime you had a problem, that car won't start failure to execute. And for three years, it became like a buzzword. It's a punchline. Execute. And it kind of, it's kind of like, I mentioned the car. It's kind of like you can't, you're having car trouble. You take it to the mechanic. For three years, the same troubles exist. And he just keeps telling you, well, here's the problem. But it never gets fixed. Wow. So eventually, you just got to try to find a new mechanic. And um, yeah. so I think it was, I think it was that, the win-loss record. I think it was, you know, the offense and the stubbornness to, acknowledge that there's a problem with it and then you know you've been through this a long time just like i have and whenever there's a coaching change all of a sudden people want to talk and they tell you things that you didn't know but you wonder how much is true how much is embellished and so now we start hearing stories about guys getting frustrated and just walking out of practice which maybe that could happen once but supposedly it was not a rare occurrence i'm not saying it's common but it's not a rare occurrence uh, you just hear about all the discipline issues. Again, I'm not there. I don't see it. I have to take things with a grain of salt because I don't like reporting things that I don't see in my own eyes, but I'm telling you what people say. So uh, th th there had to be some other issues, um, but I think you just put them all together and you just came to the point and said, look, there's no point in keep uh, throwing bad money, you know, after bad money, you know, just take the, Take your take your loss and try to move forward. And that's what they decided to do. Yeah. Of course, obviously, Texas A&M can't hire anybody without having some drama. So had to have the Mark Stroops drama, then the Mike Elko hire. So I'm glad that the hire came quickly for your sake, Olin, and all of the, the beat people there. But yeah, had to have a little drama, I guess, right? So uh, the, night, the, the day of the LSU game, you know, it was a morning game, which because A&M... Because uh, made it that because LSU always has to typically plays at night, uh, which I don't know if you've been to Death Valley on a night, but you're going going to. And it's going to, yes. Um, <laughs> it's an experience. So uh, I'm in my uh, Airbnb and I'm finally relaxing and I get a call, get a story ready on Mark Stoops. Being Stoops, where'd that come from? That's the way it looks like it's going to be. Get a story ready. So I spent the next couple of hours, you know, looking at everything. I mean, I know Mark Stoops. I know he's had success and all this, but I don't know all the numbers in particular. So I'm doing quick, quick uh, research right there, putting it all together, get the story done, send it, um, and go to bed. <laughs> and I get a, 
I'm waking up at six the next morning. My son, by the way, uh, and I'm telling you this because it pertains to the story. My son is a student at LSU, and he has a frat brother that's one of those guys that we all were that's just consumed with sports and college football. And this kid uh, has gotten my number, I guess, from my son. He sends me a text message, and it says, wow, can you believe the Stoops thing fell through? And I'm like, it fell through. <laughs> so I'm, I'm finding out updates from an LSU student. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, what? So now I'm, you know, I'm making calls and they're saying, yeah, it, that fell through. I was like, what happened? Well, we're finding out what happened. And then I'm on my way back from Baton Rouge and I get a call and they say, hey, get a story ready on Elko. Well, that was okay because I had pretty much, first of all, Mike was here before. And he was the guy that I thought most Aggies thought that you, you should go for it in the first place. Yeah. And so I had a lot of, uh, a lot of knowledge about Mike. So it was a lot easier putting that together, but that's how that was. You talk about, you. that's not even a, it's not even a 24 hour period. We're talking about, you know, about 12 to 15 hours of all that going on after yeah. a loss. It was a crazy, crazy weekend. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't get a good night's sleep without a coaching change. Apparently. Yeah. Uh, it's just, just nuts. But um, like you said, Mike Elko was the name sort of being talked about a lot. And because of his A&M connections from before, obviously the success at Duke, are you getting a sense of imprints from him just yet? Olin is it, maybe it's too early. And obviously with this bowl and everything, but are you starting to see fingerprints of what, what A&M football is going to look like with Mike Elko? Well, I'm getting an idea about what he wants his program to be like. You know, one of the things that he did just last week, uh, he went to the Texas High School Coaches Association Board of Directors meeting. And I've talked to some of those guys like Jimbo Fisher never came. You know, it was a big story last year that Jimbo Fisher didn't go to the, you may have heard of the coaching school. They had the big convention they have in Texas uh, in late July or early August. And he didn't show. I mean, Nick Saban has gone to that. Coaches from out of state go there. All the every major coach, college coach in Texas was there to do a press conference. Jimbo Fisher sent somebody else. Wow. So I think the first step that Mike is doing is trying to repair some damaged relationships with the guys that uh, may influence, you know, players and where they might go and things like that. <laughs> so I think that's a big part of uh, Mike. And you know, he's uh, hired an offensive coordinator, and I think it's a good one, uh, Colin Klein. You know what better about that than I would, but it seems like a really good uh, hire. Um, And I just think that he's very, if the stories we've heard about disorganization and undiscipline are true, I think uh, he'll go a long way in in changing those things. He's already made it clear that he's going to hire a special teams coach, which has been kind of a sore subject around here because I know you don't know it, but if you follow A&M, you know their special teams are atrocious. Think John Blake. <laughs> you oh, know, no. <laughs> you know, wow. think that, right? So it's kind yeah. of that kind of deal. I want to speak your language. Uh, so it's <laughs> all right. So they're hoping that Mike can come in and do what Bob Stoops did and, yeah. you know, clean up a lot of mess and then have a lot of success. Is there, I mean, obviously right now is the honeymoon phase for Elko. So obviously the the things that are looking good, but do you have any concerns sort of top of the mind? I mean, obviously this guy's been a head coach. He's been successful as a head coach. So some of the guesswork in that is a little bit, you know, water under the bridge, but is there, is there any concern or is it just a general concern of 
figuring out how to be the head coach at Texas A&M. Well, there's, there's something they call BAS here. It's called battered Aggie syndrome, right? <laughs> Look, okay. once you just hired a uh, a national championship winning coach away from Florida State, and it failed spectacularly. It started off great the first three years. Excellent. Yeah. And then the last three years was just, you know, a plummet. Um, I don't think you take anything for granted. You know, you realize there are no guarantees. You know, if you look at some of AM's recent coaches, they hired Dennis Francione away from Alabama, spectacular fail. You hired Jimbo Fisher away from Florida State, spectacular fail. Um, Kevin Sumlin, who I know you have some uh, knowledge of, you know, he just was the up and comer, and that failed. Yep. And then they hired Mike Sherman from the NFL, and that failed. Um, now, you keep hoping to be like Clemson. Right, Clemson. I know you follow college football. You know Clemson. Same deal, man. They went through coaches all the time. Everybody was failing, and then they got the right guy. Yeah. And so that's what AM is hoping for. And Mike Elko could be the right guy. At least they gave him a contract that makes sense. Yeah. So if he's not the right guy, you can move on without it hurting you too much. Uh, but I, yeah, I think there's, I think it's reasonable to have a certain a certain amount of optimism with Mike just because, hey, the last guy, if I've got my facts right, that was a, a coach at Duke, was successful, went on to an SEC school, oh, Steve Spurrier did all right. So yeah. I'm not saying Mike Elko is going to do what Steve Spurrier did, but um, I think you could look at him. I mean, if you can be successful at Duke, I would think you should be able to be successful a lot of places. Yeah. And uh you're hoping that Mike is the guy that can finally take all the advantages that are here. And there's a ton of them. Uh, you got great fan support. You've got great resources. You've got great facilities. There's nothing that you need, to, a coach needs, to be successful that A&M doesn't provide. You get, you're an hour and a half from the center of Houston, yeah. two and a half hours from down. There's a lot of football players down here. And, and Jimbo wanted to go to Florida all the time. Mm. So. Um, Maybe Mike is the guy. When when you finally get the guy that's going to be able to to, to uh, fully utilize all those advantages, then I think you can see a a a consistently successful program. Jimbo had success, you know, but the consistent success yeah. is what you're looking for. Yeah, for sure. And I know Texas A&M fans want double digit wins, playoff uh, potential, that sort of thing. They should have, Texas A&M fans, I, I know, you know, you can bring up history and things like that. Look, for a long time as an all-guy school, that's, that's not going to help you recruit. But Texas A&M, with all the resources and all the uh, geographic advantages, should have the same demands and expectations that Oklahoma has. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, obviously, in the, the coming years, what that looks like with Mike Elko at the helm. Obviously, lots of us will be watching. But before that, Olin, we got to talk about this bowl game because obviously this matchup between A&M and OSU, um, we're not sure what it's going to look like. But what's your best sense of, for Texas A&M, what's the best advantages that they have against Oklahoma State? What do you feel like? Even with the unknowns of players, where do you feel like maybe they have an advantage in this game? Well, I don't know if I'd call it an advantage, but I'll say this. If A&M has their players, right, they're really good against the run. And I don't, you know, I don't follow the Big 12, but I know all about Ollie Gordon. And yep. I know that when they, when 
uh, Oklahoma State kind of changed its offense or at least shifted gears and made Ollie Gordon the uh, feature or the, yeah, the feature. And, yeah. and correct me if I'm wrong on this, they that's when they took off. Oh, yeah, and, for sure. And it seems like that I read that maybe in that UCF game, you know, for whatever reason, he didn't have a big game. So it's, it seems like, it seems like from the outside looking in, contain Ollie Gordon and you have a great chance to beat Oklahoma State. True. I think Texas A&M has a really good run defense if if all those guys are there. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, by next week, if they tell me Shamar Turner's playing, uh, if they tell me Walter Nolan's pl- playing and who's in the portal, or Fidel yeah. Diggs, who's in the portal, or Edron Cooper, who's declared for the NFL, or you know some of those. If I'm hearing that a lot of those guys are playing, then I think A&M has a great chance to win that football game, even with you know you know they're down to their third string quarterback, who's right. actually played pretty well. But uh, I would think that A&M has a really good chance if those guys are playing. But McKinley Jackson's another guy, uh, really good defensive lineman. He just declared for the NFL draft. Is he going to play? Yeah. Now. If you don't have those guys and Ollie Gordon's playing, which I assume he is, I haven't heard yeah. anything. Well, I actually have heard conflicting reports, and thankfully uh, you were able to clear it up for me. Uh, if they don't have those guys, he might run all over him. What about the flip side? What do you feel like the weaknesses for the Aggies? Again, not knowing exactly who will be available, but do you feel like there's an area where OSU could could really exploit them? Well, um uh, a&M has had some trouble running the ball at times. Uh, I don't know enough about OSU's uh, defense. Um, They're better now, at stopping the run than they are stopping the pass. How about that? Okay. A&M does a pretty decent job throwing the ball. But, again, they're not going to have an eye Smith. They like to throw to the tight end. Jake Johnson's in the portal. Because <laughs> his brother, of course, Max, went to the uh, transfer to North Carolina. So that made sense. You kind of felt like that was happening. But Jake Johnson's a pretty good tight end. So they're not pro- – are they going to have him? I doubt it. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, is, is Evan Stewart, a guy that's been up and down, is he going to play? You know, so <laughs> I would think that uh and going to try to throw the ball. Uh, they like Noah Thomas, a big 6'6 receiver, like him a lot. Moose Muhammad. One of the big mysteries here is why. Uh, Jimbo Fisher wouldn't use Moose Muhammad. He only used him when he had to. And the guy, makes one-handed touchdown catches against LSU, and he was really productive. So I think you'll see a lot of him if he plays. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, how is the OSU at throwing the football? Decent. Obviously, they'd yeah. rather give it to Ollie Gordon, but, yeah, they're they're okay. The A&M has had some real issues with their DBs, especially the mm. corners. Um, against Ole Miss, they had both corners out, and they had to play true freshmen, and it went as a – you know, you might expect with true freshmen, some guys making their very first start. So um, I would think that one area that A&M, again, if everybody's playing, can still look at, and by the way, their best corner, Tyreek Chappelle, transfer portal. Um, if they're, I would think if uh, if everybody's playing that A&M could, is really vulnerable if you've got a really good receiver. Um, that's what beat them against Alabama. One guy just was working over one corner. And a uh, uh, kid that I can't think of his name right now who transferred from Georgia uh, had a career game against A&M, and most of it came on one corner. 
that he was mm-hmm. he was exploiting. So that's an area where uh, if if Oklahoma State can throw the ball pretty well or even decently, um, that you may look for them to have a li- a little more success than usual. Mm. But I'll say this again: they got to be there. If they're there, A and M rushes the passer really well. So yeah. I don't. That, that's the best part of their defense, I would say, uh, is their pass rush. But again, Adrian Cooper is a big part of that. Fidel Diggs is a big part of that. Uh, are they going to be there? So uh, th- when the news comes out sometime next week, who's playing? I mean, it might be one of those times. I, I'll put it this way: I don't know why anybody would bet on this game until. <laughs> Until next week when I find out who's actually playing. Well, anymore, this has become more and more the norm. But it, it, it with the coaching change and everything, I mean, it's it's bound to have been a little bit muddled, it seems like. Yeah, this is and, one of those games that's really hard to peg. And, and to, to just multiply that, um, you know, the A&M's interim coach for this game is Elijah Robinson. Yeah. Well, he's already accepted defensive coordinator position at Syracuse. So then there are those that are thinking, well, is he is he actually encouraging guys to get into the transfer portal and to try to lead them to Syracuse? Because a couple of yeah. those guys we're talking about, like Fidel Diggs, for one, is a guy that's uh, you know said oh, he's considering Syracuse. So um, it's just a a really bizarre situation. Um, do you really want a guy coaching your team that's not going to be there? And there's a lot of a, a lot of coaches still around that's not going to be here and they know it. So, um, you know, if I was a betting man, uh, I would say that Oklahoma state would probably be the favorite just based on what I think yeah. is, uh, is at least familiarity with the coaching staff. Yeah. Lots of unknowns. Hey, but we know, Olin, you can't cover Texas A&M football without having some drama and some unknowns. So congratulations. You've got it in spades. People tell me that they think uh, College Station is boring, which it's, you know, but and I'm like, well, are you kidding me? I, there's never a dull moment covering Texas A&M. <laughs> Well, I can't wait to see you down in Houston on the 27th. We'll have lots to talk about then. But obviously, thank you for coming on the show this week. Can't, can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Again, texasags.com for all of Olin's stuff. Great Aggies coverage if you're wondering what is going on down in College Station. So thanks to him for joining us. And thanks to all of you for watching the Jenny Carlson Show. If this were your first time hearing or watching us, be sure to subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. And also, if you like what you hear, please leave a review. And you, remember, you can find all my work at selloutcrowd.com. You can also sign up there for my newsletter. It's very easy and it's all free. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.